pray that it lands with power and revelation in our hearts today. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Yay. Do I have a seat? Still a little bit jet lagged, a bit muzzy. Now I'll stand up. It'll keep me working. Prove my statistics on my new Apple Watch as well. Um, I, so generosity we're, we're talking about today and um, literally uh, great worship, uh, Bryony and the guys and Mike and uh, Lauren and everyone. Real lovely presence of God around and uh, man, we're so blessed and lovely to hear a couple of our own songs as well that are going on the album later this year. Come on, get ready. Um, yeah, during that worship, actually, I, uh, you know, I, I came with some thoughts. So actually, Sheila and I are going to tag team a little bit today um, because she feels God's given her a word uh, for us, which I'd like to bring out in the course of this. Um, but as we were just worshipping there, I felt like God's prompted me to kind of go in a slightly different direction. It's still in and around generosity. Uh, but he reminded me that actually on the 12th of February this year, because I started writing things down, that the Lord gave me a dream. And I can't remember if I've shared this in here before or not. Uh, I've shared it to some people, but um, it kind of fits in. And um, anyway, I, in this dream, I was speaking to a group of people that I recognized to be the lighthouse. But the only person within that group, you know how you sometimes know this is the lighthouse, but you look at everyone and think, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Uh, but the only person I recognised was Mike. Actually, Mike was there and was kind of uh, in the in the congregation, whatever it, a group of people. And um, and I, I was <laughs> this is this is quite interesting because I was looking down at my notes, ready to speak, and, and it was on paper, strangely, not on a computer as it normally is. Uh, but as I'm looking at the paper, the words started changing in front of my eyes. And you know, that kind of could give you a slightly uncomfortable feeling because um, you don't quite know what's happening. Well, that's exactly what's happened today. <laughs> I was, I've come kind of with a word prepared and then God's just like spoken and said, no, uh, I want you to share this. And uh, so I'm going to do that probably f- maybe for about 20 minutes. And then we're going to ask Sheila to, to come and just bring what the Lord's put on her heart. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so there I was. The, the word started changing, and I'm uh, starting to like go with it, you know, and try and read these new words that are appearing on the page before me. And essentially, I found myself saying that um, wherever you go, uh, and wherever, wherever you are, and wherever you go, there are people around you who need you to be Jesus to them. Okay? That was kind of the gist of what um, I, uh, I was kind of seeing. And there was loads of other stuff, but I can't remember what that was. Um, and then, literally, I, I began waking up, and I had this little kind of sentence going through my mind, which w- was, shall spring forth like the dawn, shall spring forth like the dawn, shall spring forth like the dawn. And uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things as you're waking up and you're not quite sure where you are or what's going on. You think it's a scripture somewhere, but you can't quite remember where it came from. Um, so I kind of get onto Google in the, in the darkness and spring forth like the dawn. And of course, it's a very famous uh, passage from Isaiah. And um, it's Isaiah 58, which is, is an amazing chapter. 
Uh, let me just read this out and let's see what happens, see where we go with it. Um, because, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know where I'm starting from. Somewhere a little bit into Isaiah 58. But <clears throat> it's God saying, I think he, he's, he's talking to the religious people, isn't he? You come and they've come to the temple and they've made a big thing of doing their fasting and uh, being spiritual and all of that sort of stuff. But then God comes to them and he gives them a little bit of a rebuke in a way and says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will spring forth like the dawn. Uh, and that, that salvation is, is one of those wonderful, all-encompassing words that just literally means everything. It literally means salvation, and it means healing, and it means wholeness, and it means peace, and it means prosperity, and it means kind of pretty much everything when you drill down on it. Um, then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal uh, your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength, you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and you'll be known as the rebuilder of walls and the restorer of homes. Man, what a great passage. And of course, <laughs> you know, I think the reason why I saw Mike in the congregation there, because Mike and Joe, this is them. This is kind of your passage, isn't it, almost? It's like, because that's your heart. For, for all of those who are broken, those who are bound, and the group that they're starting off at the moment is an expression of that heart, of wanting to reach out for those who are trapped and those who are wounded and those who are hurt, and to restore them, be the restorer of um, places to dwell in and rebuilder of the walls and all of that sort of stuff. And it's a, it's a great uh, passion. And uh, I feel like the Lord, is, I think this kind of fits in so, so well with generosity, you know, because I, I've been thinking about this quite a lot over the last week. And, um, you know, generosity, what, uh, generosity, I mean, what, what, what is generosity? It, it's, um, I read somewhere, it's a quality that's a lot like unselfishness. Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need, you know, and that, that kind of expresses what generosity is. It's a, it's a willingness to give something and often encapsulated in the sense of generosity is above and beyond what is comfortable, you know, above and beyond what is easy to do. And um, it, it, it's something that, you know, I, I think goes so much beyond money. We, we always think of money, don't we? And uh, when we say generosity, and uh, probably one of the scriptures that I might read out about 2 Corinthians 9 is talks about generosity and, and money is all associated, associated in there. But 
actually it's much more than that. And two scriptures were brought to mind as we were worshipping, which I haven't written down here, but one was the money manager. Do you remember that guy that worked for the rich ruler? And uh, he wasn't doing a terribly good job of it. He was actually wasting a lot of the resources that the, that the master had put in his hand. And it, it came known to the, to the rich ruler that, oh, this, this manager's uh, kind of not been doing a good job. And so he kind of comes to him and says, look, get, get your house in order because actually you're going to be sacked. And, uh, and then this guy, this money manager, does something which is really, really curious um, and, the, and the response of the master is really, really curious in that he starts going out and he kind of sees all of the um, uh, people that owe the master money and like one of them owes, say, say like a, a £10,000. He says, well, give me £5,000 and we'll call it quits. And he, he starts settling accounts and he starts being lavish with the resources that weren't his. You know, and he starts saying, "Okay, we'll sign that off. Because what he's thinking in his heart, I'm from the scripture, he's saying, if I'm kind to these people, they might be kind to me when I am out on my ear. And uh, then he goes to another one who kind of owes like 100 barrels of oil or something. And he says, well, give me 20 and we'll call it quits. And and he goes round and he goes round them all. And when the master hears about this, he comes to him and says, now you're getting it. Well done. Well done. You're doing a good job. And restores him to his position. I've never fully understood that, you know. It's it's slightly bizarre. But and then it goes on, doesn't it, to say, if you can't be faithful with worldly wealth, how will God trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you can't be faithful with worldly wealth, how can you be trusted with the true riches of heaven? And you know, I've asked myself many times, what are the true riches of heaven? And I don't think there's a lot of cash in heaven. I've come to the conclusion that when the windows of heaven are opened and uh, he, he pulls out a blessing, I don't think it's kind of gold coins that actually come and fill up the barns. It, it's actually uh, the true riches of heaven, our salvation, their healing, their deliverance, their peace. They're, they're kind of all the good stuff that Jesus came to bring when he came and preached all over the, uh, uh, the region and said, you know, healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper, all of these different things, fed the hungry, uh, lifted people up who were under condemnation, you know, like the woman caught in adultery and said, you know, where are your accusers? And they'd all gone away. And he, he, he kind of lifts her up and says, go and sin no more. He kind of set her free from her condemnation. You know, he, those are the true riches of heaven. Those are, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that we really want, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, money, yeah, we do need some money, you know, we do. But the real stuff, the real stuff is, is the manifestation of the kingdom. It's the manifestation of who he is, the, the kind of the real thing. It's the demonstration of the reality of our loving, generous father who wants to pour out so much on us. You know, he's so kind and so generous and as we said in our declaration, he wants us to demonstrate that same heart. The other scripture that I was just thinking about was, was the talents, you know, the parable of the talents. And again, a, a, a rich <laughs> manager comes to three servants and 
distribute some gifts according to their abilities and according to their maturity or whatever. I don't, I don't know what his guidelines were, but it was according to something that was in, within them. And he gave one, was it five, and one two, and one one or something in the talents. And uh, he says, right, go and do business until I return. And of course, the uh, one with the five went and invested it and, and managed to make another five. And the one with two went and invested it and managed to get another two. And the one with one was kind of scared and got a, a kind of a wrong feeling about the master and thought, oh, he's going to be really cross if I lose this, so I better just keep it safe and I better bury it in the ground. But, and, of course, the master comes back and says to the servants, you know, the one who did five, who, who risked it, stepped out, invested it and brought a big return. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll give you... Uh, kind of five cities or something to manage. It, there was like a promotion that came out of it, a responsibility that was put on him. And, and of course, it goes through with the two. And then for the one, he, he was not best pleased at the end of the day. He wasn't so happy with the guy that had just kept his talent hidden and buried in the ground. And it struck me with both of these uh, stories that, you know, all of these people, and apart from anything, there's a lot of stories about money in the New Testament. Actually, if you go, I mean, I think something in the order of a third of the, of the stories Jesus is telling are related to money and finance. It's, it's quite interesting if you actually go and dig into it. But it struck me with these two stories um, that these servants were risking it and doing stuff with resources that weren't theirs. It wasn't their money to do that with. It was actually, it had been given to them. And it suddenly, like, was, was coming to me that actually everything that we have is from him, isn't it? Everything, everything that we are in our being, every, every bit of money that we've got in our bank account, we may think we've worked for it, and we may think we've saved it, we may think we've, uh, we're in control of it, but actually everything that we have has come from him. And that includes not just the money, but the, who we are, the gifts, the resources, the, the energy, the, the health, the whatever it is, it has all come from him. And I just wonder whether he is looking at us today and saying, you know, I want you to display that same lavishness with those resources that I have given you. And take your mind off money for a minute. I'm not talking about money. I'm actually talking about other stuff. But those resources which I have given to you, which I have put into your hand, which I've put into your heart, those things which like, I've put into your family. You know, the, the Lord has been so faithful with us over the years. He has given us some good stuff. He's given us a, a nice home. He's given us a, a good family. He's given us health. He's given us energy. He's given us time, all of this different stuff. And he wants us to be generous with that. He wants us to be lavish with that on behalf of other people that maybe are not in that same position. And uh, I think, you know, one of the things that's led me thinking about this is next weekend we're due to head off to France on one of these KLS trips. And 
you know, how did I get myself on one of these KLS trips? I mean, I've never been treasure hunting in English, let alone in French. I mean, it's like, how is this going to work out? And yet there's something on the inside that says, I haven't got enough. I'm not qualified. I don't know. I can't do this. It's like I haven't got the resources to deliver what is expected of me. But I feel like... Let's just laugh at that, shall we? But I feel like God is saying, I want you to be completely generous with what you do have. I want you to just give it away. I just want you to give it away without a second thought of where the next bit's going to come from. Okay, so, so put that into the pictures of like going out on the street and meeting people and saying things. I've got, I think we've got to meet with some business people at some stage and prophesy into their businesses. And, oh, my goodness, where's that going to come from? And uh, we've got to teach them a little bit about some stuff. And, you know, we're, we're doing some stuff with the church over that. And it's going to be great fun. I'm sure it is going to be huge. But inside, I'm thinking, I haven't got enough. I haven't got enough to do this. But... I feel like God is saying he wants us to be completely generous with what we've got. Lavish, I think, is a better word. And to actually begin to give things away. And, and so, you know, I'm standing up here this morning saying these things which are, are not planned out at all. That is nothing to do with what is written down there. It's like he almost did that to me to, as an example, in a way, to say... You don't need that stuff. You don't need it. Actually, it's in here. I have deposited stuff on the inside of you that you need to be completely generous with and to just give away. Give away whatever the the smallest thing is that you've got. And as you do it, the multiplication will happen. And, of course, that's exactly what happens, isn't it? And there's a, I'm sure that Sheila may be going to mention this uh, a little bit later, but many of the miracles of Jesus uh, required some action on the first place, a step of faith, didn't they? The feeding of the 5,000, they had to bring their uh, two fish and five loaves, was it? Um, two and five. Um, and, you know, they had to bring that. And there was, there was a cost associated with that. That it was a risk. They had to bring it, and then it was broken. And as it broke, it uh, it began to multiply, didn't it? And it fed five thousand people, five thousand men, and, as well as uh, women and children as well. So maybe as many as ten thousand people from uh, five loaves and two fish. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, but it required a step of faith to actually give. The little thing. And, you know, you, you can translate that into all sorts of things, can't you? You can translate it into finance. You can translate it into time. Time, time is a very precious commodity in our world today because many of us are so busy and have so many things to do that our time is, is probably the, the most costly of resources to us. But, you know, we have some and we can do it. We can lavish it we can take it you know we can uh, and that's that's what we're doing as we go off on this weekend to France you know 
it's going to be a very intense time. I think we're setting off at half past three in the morning or something stupid like that and getting on an aeroplane, flying over there and hitting the road, running, getting in, doing some stuff, going, praying around Angoulême and uh, doing all of this stuff. But we're giving that resource and we're, we're just being lavish with it. We're just giving it away and saying, right, God, come and do the miracle because there are people there that need to encounter your presence. There are people there that need us to be Jesus to them. And I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about people that we bump into in cafes and uh, on the street on, you know, doing treasure hunting. They need us to be Jesus. There is healing to be released. And if we are lavish and generous with the little that we believe we may have, he will multiply it. There was another example, wasn't there, with Elijah and the uh, widow when he went off. It was it Zarephath and... Um, he said, oh, uh, he met the widow at the gate and said, oh, make a meal for me. And she said, oh, no, I've, I've only got a little flour and a little oil left. I was going to make one last meal for my son and myself, and then we would die. And, and Elijah says, no, make a meal for me first, and, uh, and then let's see what happens, you know, and, uh, which took a sacrifice. It took, it took a place of having to actually put your flour and oil on the table there and, and kind of do the thing. But, of course, she did. And then as she did, that, that flour and that oil just kept increasing, and it didn't run out for the whole time that the, the, the country was in famine. You know? So much of this stuff, and this is a lesson I've been on for probably um, sort of 10 years maybe, uh, I, I feel like God has been backing me into corners uh, from which it's very difficult to escape other than by him. Um, uh, and it's happened th- through the business. It's happened in my personal life. It's happened in the church. You know, it's happened in lots of different circumstances where he has led me to step out. And the, and the answer is not obviously there straight away, but I have to look to him. I have to look to him. And so much of this thing to do with being generous is about trust. It's about trusting who he is and uh, what he says. You know? And if he has said something, then you know, there is a way to do it. You know? It's like I, I love that quote from Bill Johnson where he says, it is illegal to approach anything that God has told you to do with what you don't have. Okay, it is illegal to approach anything that God has told you with what you don't have. You know, because our initial response is when, the, when we say, okay, let's build a building, uh, but we don't have. We don't have the resources. We don't have a kind of a very big church. We don't have a lot of millionaires with us. We don't, you know, all of these different things. We don't, it's illegal, completely illegal. But what he does require of us is to be generous with what we do have now, you know, quite often the people, you know, the, the two loaves and the, or the two fish and the five loaves were not the solution to the feeding 10,000 people, were they? They couldn't possibly be. It was never, ever going to be. But what it was was the catalyst. It was like the, it was like the charge on the gun. <laughs> it was the tiny little bit of powder that when it was it ignited the thing inside that exploded the whole thing forth. So it was kind of like a priming in a way. It wasn't actually the explosive that would make the thing happen. It was just the catalyst. And, 
so often the things that we do, the things that we have, the money in our pocket, the, the, the word of, that maybe we have, the suspicion about something, is not the total answer. But as we step out and release it and we give generously of it, um, then the real thing begins to happen. And, and it's just, and it's the same, you know. I, it, we, we're getting back onto money and stuff again, but it is so much more than that. It is, you know, as we're meeting people who are brokenhearted, you know, we, we may look and think, oh, my goodness, I just haven't got the emotional resources to kind of deal with this. Well, no, you don't. But if you're generous with the bit that you have got, God has got the miracle bit that really kind of brings the solution to the problem. And that's why he wants us to kind of be generous and step out. My 20 minutes are up, so I'm going to invite lovely Sheila to come up and bring the word that she's got. Hopefully it might fit in marginally. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it... (sighs) You know, what Phil's described to us, some passages of scripture there that we're so familiar with, and I wonder if you also have the experience sometimes where you read something that you've read a hundred times or more before, but God just starts to quicken it to you in in a different way. And um, this was what happened for me, you know, I don't know, a, a week or a little more than a week ago, he began to speak to me in my time of, of journaling. Um, It was actually from the feeding of the multitudes. And um, he pointed out to me that he took the little that they had and he multiplied it. And what was an apparent impossibility became a reality. And not only was there kind of more than enough to satisfy the need... There was even more left over at the end than they started with. And and he was just reminding me that he really is the Lord of multiplication. And what we give to him, he does increase. (coughs) And I think he wants to quicken this to us at the moment. Because we have a huge task ahead of us, but that he has laid in front of us to do, not something that we've dreamed up or this would be a nice thing to do. And I am, of course, talking about the area along the road (coughs) with all those buildings to pull down, which is going to take a a lot of uh, resource, even before we start building the new building. And... Uh, do you know, it's it kind of, this always looked pretty impossible, certainly to the natural mind. But the problem is that we can get overwhelmed by the size of the task and that can paralyze us and hold us back from his plan for us. So I feel at this time in particular He's wanting to activate us. And I think one of the things that he is saying to us is don't despise the small contributions. So the, f- the few loaves and the couple of fish. But to keep our eye on him 
and allow him to enlarge our faith. I was quite sort of, when um, at uh, last sort of November, December, uh, when um, Avril was giving out £10 and asking us to multiply it in order to fund the Child of Hope Children's Party, what was really on my heart was, do you know, we should be doing this for for our building. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing it for that, but we should we should be doing this. This principle, we keep talking in church, we keep hearing wonderful testimony of how um, God is releasing uh, gifts uh, of all kinds to people and, and being generous and, and how they are. I'm thinking, for example, Jen, of your testimony of for your extension and, and how you look to him for the first kind of you received the first £10 with joy and you expected, well, more next time, £100 next time. Then the, uh, the three-figure sum became a four-figure sum and I don't know where you've got to now, but you shared with us, I think, a very important principle. <clears throat> and I know with the, um, uh, uh, with the sort of the, the £10, I think you gave out about 60 You got how much back, Avril? Over £900 from £60. So multiplying many times over, I think God is really wanting to show us again that he is the God of multiplication. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, but I know that I'm probably guilty of, of looking at that task down there and thinking, how is God going to give Phil this money? <laughs> What rich people is he going to bump into that are going to provide this money, don't know? And I think God is saying, no, actually, do you know, we sat back like that, in, in a sense, for the land. And then when we realized we might lose it, it's like we got activated, didn't we? I think it's amazing that we actually bought that land from amongst ourselves when we didn't think we had the resources but by people putting in the little bit they had and and how much did we pay for that land in the end phil right so who would think that we could raise nine hundred and fifty thousand pound i wouldn't have put any money on that <laughs> well <laughs> <clears throat> but in the end, we all did. We all did. We all uh, gave what we had. And, and the next bit is bigger still. So um, I feel he's saying to us to keep our eyes on him and allow him to enlarge our faith. And I feel it, it's time that he's wanting us to be activated again. <clears throat> We've had that land now for, for, for some time. We've had it over a year, actually. And we've not really seen a, um, a huge amount of change on there. We have seen some clearing and some important jobs being done. But substantially, we're not seeing any change yet. And I feel he's saying at this time, if we will step out with what we already have, he will increase us. So I'm feeling challenged to stop looking for outside. Where is he going to bring it in from? He may well bring some from outside, but I really sense he actually wants to activate us because this is something that he wants to do through us and he wants to involve us. Just like 
I mean, he could do a miracle at any time to heal any person. But why does he wait for us to go and lay our hands on them, for us to pray the prayer of faith? He wants to involve us. And um, do you know what was um, interesting? That Jesus sat the multitudes down to eat before there appeared to be the means to feed them. There was not a huge amount of food, but he sat them down to do it before there appeared the means. And I think it's a bit like that for us. <laughs> but when he blessed the little, it became more than enough. And I, I, I feel he's saying that he will bless the sacrifices each one of us makes to enable the new building to be built. <clears throat> and I feel that he's saying he wants the whole church to be involved so that we will each be parts of the provision that he blesses and increases. And he reminded me also of the Israelites leaving Egypt. You remember this story of when they came out of their slavery um, and there was a transfer of wealth. And this was actually their inheritance from their years of slavery and being put down. They, their neighbors started just giving them gifts. And when God directed the building of the tabernacle, the people offered freely of their substance. So they were taking their, you know, their, their wonderful materials, um, their, uh, <coughs> their, um, their metals, their precious metals, their jewelry. They were taking of the substance and the inheritance that they had received and they were giving it so freely um, that actually in the end they had to be stopped from giving. Isn't that amazing? They, 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 the people charged with building the tabernacle had to go to Moses and say, stop them, we've got more than enough. And, but I think it's that spirit of yes, God wants to build something, and we want to be part of it. Thank you. That's great. Um, and you see, when we look at it, as Phil's already mentioned, we have all been blessed and increased personally. So do we trust him enough to risk some of our personal blessing and dedicate offerings back to him so we may build what he's leading us to build? Because I believe he's telling us to get on and do it. From the outset of this project, when Phil first spoke to us about having a building and felt we were going to build from scratch and we were going to get some land, I sensed, and I now have shared it with you, that Holy Spirit was saying money is not the key issue. But the key issue is unity of spirit in the church. And what I feel that he said to me specifically in this last week is those who build together stick together. Those who build together stick together. And God is building a foundation that is more enduring than bricks and mortar. And I believe he's preparing the ground for powerful and effective ministry out of this church. 
And as we each plant seed, he will cause it to multiply. All kinds of seed, <coughs> as Phyllis said, like commitment, uh, time, creativity, prayer and praise. Not only financial resources, but like Heather was saying about when we step back and we look at this body, there are amazing gifts in this church and uh, of all kinds. So, you know... For example, um, you know, I was thinking, well, what sort of things could we do? We um, Do you have, are you one of those people that has an entrepreneurial or a creative ability that can be used to bring in funds? Kind of like making, baking, selling goods or selling services, giving your, your time... Uh, uh, to do things that, uh, you know, could bring, bring finance in, for example. Um, could you commit a portion of your earning power to the building fund, an hour or two of each week's pay? You know, something like that. We're talking about uh, not despising the small amounts. Do you have worship gifts that you want to bring together with a few others to praise and worship with that new building in mind, to release something uh, into the spiritual realm, feeling God's heart and declaring his power? Do you have intercessory and prophetic gifting that leads you to pray in the spirit with a few others and receive strategic direction from God? for this path that he's taking us on. Because what I'm sensing is this is a corporate calling and we can each put our energy into what he puts in our heart to do. So I, I, I won't give you any details, but he, you know, I so want to be a part of this building, this new church, but I, I look at the size of it and think, what have I got? But he told me something I could do. So I did that. And then he told me something more that I could do and give. And I did that. And then he told me something more again that I could do. Each time, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, a new thing and, and, and a little bit more. And I think, yeah, it, it's all about just saying yes with what we've got. I, I could do that. I could do that. I'm not yet at the point where he stretched me, really, to do stuff that I think is a huge risk, but maybe maybe he'll take me to that. So I'm not really talking about you, even at this stage, going beyond your means, but looking at what you have in your hand now. What do we have in our hand now that we could give? And then do the next thing, and then the thing after that. Do you know, uh, also I felt God said to me, it's easy to steer a vehicle that is moving. But static objects are so difficult to shift. So I, 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 as we each listen in our spirit to what Holy Spirit puts in front of us to do, his power is released into the situation to achieve so much more than seems possible in the natural. It's the law of multiplication and as we embrace this corporate vision, I believe mountains will move. 
So that's what he's, he's put on my heart. He's talking to me. I believe he wants us to be all involved because he wants us to do this with a unity of spirit to get behind the vision, to give the bit that is in our hand to do. And what I think it is, it's about, don't, don't look at, well, you know, what am I doing? What's the person next to me doing? What's the person over there doing? Ask God for yourself. What can I do? What have I got in my hand that you would like me to give into this project so that I can be a part of the blessing, so that I can be a part of the building and I can be a part of the multiplication because I believe that he is building us into an amazing body and that with the gifts he puts in our hand, we are going to reach much further than we can even imagine spiritually and be the answer to the needs around us that's a good word right there awesome Just had another thought <clears throat> um yeah that really good good word sheila and um you know sheila is one of those people who has diligently uh, asked God. You know how at the beginning of this year I was saying Jeremiah 33, 3 season, ask to me and I will show you things which you, you don't know about. You know, he will reveal things to you. Well, Sheila is one of those people that asks. She's up most days before the sun has risen to ask God and to journal and to write. And we really receive it as something that, uh, you know, the Lord is saying to the church. We receive her as a as a prophet to the church, if that's okay to say without kind of making people feel uncomfortable or anything. But we, we respect uh, what she has discerned. And um, I, I feel, um, you know, obviously we'll be getting together with the trustees this month and uh, the people responsible for the finances and stuff and, and discuss together what, what we might do, what we're going to do. But I feel like March is going to be a bit of a focus season for us. We've got, we've got a, um, a, a, tw- a 24-hour prayer thing coming up at the end of March, haven't we? And I, I think that would be a good focus to say, you know, as we come together to a church, why don't we, why don't we ask God what, what the next stage is for us what is he asking us to do and 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 I think the important thing in the whole of this thing I mean is what is he actually asking us to do he's not asking us to fill the bucket okay up to the top the six million pound bucket or whatever he's not asking us to fill that he's asking us to be obedient he's asking us to ask him and say you know is that five quid is that ten quid whatever is it is it do something is it and of course, it, and it goes beyond all of that because there's, there's so much so. And we started off with the Isaiah 58. And, you know, we have got to keep our eyes focused on the church and the people around us as well. Um, and keep building the church as well as building the building sort of thing. But I, I recognize this as a, as a now word uh, for the church. So let's, let's have a think about it. I just wanted to finish off with a testimony uh, from my own circumstances, which is that um, you know that I have a business chart house that has been going for 20 years now. And um, for 20 years, we have bumped along the kind of zero thing. There's been enough to pay people and to keep us in a style to which we've become accustomed. 
and all of that stuff, and it's been good. God's been faithful. Sometimes we've been bumping along the overdraft limit. We've had a few kind of testing times. But just as this whole project began, everything shifted to a slightly different gear, and we had some resource in our hand. And I, I can remember to- when we were just getting ready to... Uh, by the land. I was talking to Dave Pilcher over in the States who used to be part of the church and saying, look, I, I really feel this is God. It, what, what do you think we should do? And he said, well, I think we should give all of that money. And, uh, and all of this money that was there was a lot of money for us. It was a serious amount of money. Um, big, you know, more than probably I would earn in two or three years, okay? So to give you an idea. Um, and he said, I think we should just do it. And there was a risk in that. There was a huge risk in that, in that we're employing 10 people now and we have a responsibility to make sure that we can pay the payroll and all of that. But the 20 years that we've been through have given us the confidence that he is faithful. He is faithful. He doesn't always do things in the time scale to which we think he should, but he is always faithful. And it's made an element of trust begin to rise up in there. And so we did it. We kind of launched off on it and we gave this kind of huge uh, uh, gift in. And I will just say that this year we are stepping into, I just had an email in last week saying that we're preferred supplier on this most amazing project, which is over three times what we gave in. Uh, we'll we'll bring back into the company. It is the biggest thing we've ever worked on, and they have said we are the preferred supplier. We just need to sort these few questions out, and then and the money is budgeted. It's all in the thing, and it's we're kind of ready to go. God is faithful. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. You sometimes sow things in, and then quite a bit of time later, it comes back. But We need to get into that lifestyle of constantly sowing, 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 sowing. So it becomes part of us. And this kind of generous, I mean, I love that scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, where it says, um, uh, let's just read that out. I'll finish with this. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. I mean, I like that. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor. Kind of two separate things there. Um, The kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer which becomes your bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First he supplies everything you need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You'll be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's just a great... We just need to meditate on that, uh, that scripture. I, I mean, I can see, um, because I've highlighted them, that the word generous is, is, is mentioned six times in that one passage. Uh, God has generosity at his very core, and he wants us to kind of reflect that in, in everything that we do and everything that we are. That's besides all the abundance and the overflowings and the extravagance. And the, there's a lot of very kind of exaggerated language in that scripture, and it is worth looking at. So anyway, shall we? We'll finish up now. 25 past. Let's stand. Let's, uh, let's just say, you know, I, I'm sensing that God's doing something here. God's on the move with us. But again, I want to lift off any sense that there's any pressure or any need to do anything just kind of break that right off you now you do not have to do anything okay you don't have to do anything other than go to God and say what do you want me to do and be obedient to it we are not responsible for making this happen but I really believe that our response in flowing with him will catalyze what is going to happen I think what we do in the next three or four weeks till the end of March and how we respond to this word will actually release the miracle that needs to happen. It's not that we've got to make it happen. We've not got to fill the bucket. But what we do and how we respond now in this moment of time will release that miracle. And I think just as we were saying, you know, uh, in that first scripture that I read out about the kind of the, the money manager, you know, if you can't be faithful with worldly wealth, how will you be trusted with the true riches of heaven? I really believe God wants to pour out the true riches of heaven upon us. And there is something in the response that we're doing at this moment that is going to begin to unlock the true riches of heaven. I think it's going to change things around us. And, and it's nothing to do with how much, okay? I just get, let's get that out there again. You remember Jesus looked at the widow with the two copper coins, putting them into the thing. It's not about how much goes in. It is about being obedient to what he is saying. That is the thing that will catalyze the miracle. So, Father, Lord, I just want to bless this amazing group of people, and I, and I want to bless them to be prosperous and successful in everything they do and everything they put their hand to. I want to lift off any, any sense of ought to or religious duty or obligation in any way whatsoever and just declare grace and freedom and mercy over this whole congregation. But Father, we want to see a miracle. We want to see, we want to see lots of miracles and we want to see your kingdom come. I particularly want to see it in France next weekend. And uh, so Father God and all the destinations that KLS is going to. So... Holy Spirit, will you come and speak to us? Will you come and give us dreams and visions and prophetic words and uh, just get us excited about what you are doing in this nation at this time? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for...